You're tuning in to Tales from the Desolate Highway, your one-stop shop for the history of post-apocalyptic literature. I'm your host, Nathan Ogloff. Let's fire this bad boy up. Alright guys, episode 8 of, well, you know what season. I'm going to stop saying the episode number. We all know what it is from the episode name. Uh, What I will keep doing is tell you what's been going on with me. I stepped on the gas with my writing. Usually I give myself a split weekend, but last week... mm -mm -mm. No, no, no. No days off for me. I mean, I'd get up in the morning and fuck around, but I'd always get something done by the end of the day. I, um... And this isn't really helping me get my shit done. I uh, started doing work on my Ancalagon class tactical fleet carrier in Lego Studio. So all of my Lego creations are named after creatures from Middle Earth. And to make a long story short, this one is named after a dragon. And it's called a tactical fleet carrier because, well, that name just sounds badass and cool. I also uh, got acupuncture on her from my shoulders. That was interesting. Uh, wasn't as painful as I thought it would be. And that's pretty much it. So uh, if you're still listening and not bored, because uh, you think I'm digressing, uh, here's the book. Here's the book. The Scarlet Plague by Jack London. Now there is a name for an author. Written in 1912. Yes, we are officially out of the double zeros portion of the 20th century don't know how long I'll be spending in the teens, uh, and I have a feeling that post-World War II, we are going to have entire seasons within a particular decade. Anyway, before I talk about the book, I'll just give you some fun facts about Jack London. So, uh, what struck me is that this guy died when he was 40. Jesus Christ. I'm like a little over two years from 40. I'd hate it if somebody told me, yep, two more years and that's it for you better hurry up and finish that novel i'll probably end up publishing my first novel at 40 with the rate i'm going uh and he also was an innovator in science fiction which we will see a bit with this piece but he was more so with some of his other works out there and that's a little bit about the author now the book so the book takes place in 2073 60 years after a plague big spoiler there uh, wipes out most of humanity. It starts out in the ruins of San Francisco, where a tribe of survivors has made their home. The main character is named James Smith, real original there, who actually used to be a professor of literature before the plague hit back in 2013. Now, coronavirus jokes aside, David Brin's The Postman also takes place in this year. So it's interesting that two authors separated by almost a century chose the same year as a date significant to their respective plots. Uh, Now, this whole story is James telling his grandsons about the Scarlet Plague and how it depopulated the world. His first grandson is named Edwin, and the other two are called Hoo-Hoo and Harelip. Why the names went on a tangent with the other two is beyond me. Maybe that was the uh, child of James that was like, fuck it, there aren't any kids around to make fun of them, let's just call them whatever we want. At this point in history, the kids live as primeval hunter-gatherers and have limited intellect, which is why they sometimes call the plague the Scarlet Death or the Red Death. And everyone here lives as hunter-gatherers because no one knows how to farm anymore. Uh, I need to give you a little bit of background about this. So, Jack London was a socialist and advocated for unions and wealth inequality reductions. Sounds like my kind of guy. 
He realized how important the people that did the labor were to a society and how they needed to be protected from disaster. In this book, the rich had the bunkers and the poor didn't, so when people started dying, it was all the farmers, tradesmen, laborers, etc. who died. So the rich people, even though they are intelligent, are pretty useless at this point and can't really do basic things and when you need and you need they can't do the basic things you need when a society goes to shit and we see that here anyway so the kids the grandkids want to hear about how the plague came about so james who has who his grandkids call grandsir begins by telling them about the world before the plague then the plague itself so he first has to explain to his grandkids how much 8 billion is because they have a completely different concept of numbers. 8 billion was how many people there were back in 2013. Hey, that number's starting to hit home. The analogy is basically James says to them, Alright, you have 10 toes and 10 fingers. If I pick up a pinch of dirt, that's like 100 of your guys' fingers and toes. A handful is like 10,000. 8 billion is an entire beach stretching both ends to the horizon. Now, the reason 8 billion could live was on, on Earth was because they were so good at farming and got rid of all disease, or at least did a bang-on job of controlling it. But the problem here is that it takes a long time to discover and control new diseases. Uh, like the last one they conquered took 11 years. Uh, now, here's the problem. The Scarlet Plague comes about super fast. Here's how fast. You die in two hours after getting it. First you get a red rash, hence the name, then convulsions, then numbness. Once it reaches your heart, you're, you're done. There's no pain, but you're conscious the whole time. Uh, the bodies then dissolve, and that's how the disease spreads out. They just like burst into spore clouds and go about everywhere. It's like the exact opposite of the purple cloud. So when this plague first comes about, they're not sharing the news around the planet. Chicago has it for two weeks before they tell people. This is because they want to put it under control and not cause a panic. It's kind of like when you fuck up at work and quickly cover it so that your boss doesn't find out. All your boss sees is the end result and then he or she says, hey, good job. It's kind of like that. Bear in mind they didn't have biohazard suits in 1912, so when everyone have treated the victims with gloves and face masks. And that's another problem. Once you treat the sick, you die. James seems to be fine, but his servants die because he comes from the upper class, and he tries to milk sympathy from his grandkids but because he had to learn to cook and wash and clean for himself. Oh, cry me a fucking river. Well, his grandkids are as sympathetic as I am. When the shit hits the fan, people start to flee cities. There is word from Europe that a Hofmeier has invented a serum, but everyone realizes that if the guy discovers the cure, it's too late for that guy. Cities start to burn... Uh, to contain the plague, and the whole time some guy is telegraphing all this information everywhere, everywhere to let people know what's going on. He does this till the bitter end. Like, you remember in The Empire Strikes Back, when the Hoth base is getting attacked, and Leia tells that one tech to get their transport uh, as the whole place is falling apart? This telegrapher is like that guy. So, James is still alive, and his brother says that he should hole up in the chem lab at the university along with a bunch of other intellectuals until this whole thing blows over. So James is still alive and his brother says that they should hole up in the chem lab at the university along with a bunch of other intellectuals 
until this whole thing blows over. By the time his brother comes to get him, James sees the rash on his face and knows it's over. James carries out his brother's plans as the looting starts to happen. At this point, James knows a lot more uh, people are going to die. And James is a firm believer in eugenics coming from the upper class and thinks that people are acting this way not because they're desperate, because it's in their nature. So James holds up with these others, but then these people start to get the disease one by one. When someone does, they tell them to go outside to not infect the others. Groups of people sleep in separate rooms. One day they wake up to see a whole group of people dead. They board up that room to contain the plague. This keeps happening and they keep moving through the building, boarding up room after room. Eventually they realize they have to leave. James takes a man named Dombey and goes to another professor's house to get supplies and a car. They had cars by 1912. Jack London could have envisioned what they would likely be like by 2013. So they go to the house and see it burning down. A drunk man comes out waving a pistol. James doesn't do anything because the guy is drunk. Only when the drunk shoots Dombey does James shoot the drunk. He has a moment of regret and there is a... He also... The, the, the narration from Jack London, or not the, the narration, but the the story, you get a real, the real monster is man vibe here. So he gets the car and the supplies. But they could only have so many people in the car. They leave with the people that can't fit in the car walking alongside it. Food goes to waste in the fields, which here shows how even though they were able to make a bounty of food, it didn't do squat to counter the current situation in the long run. People start to die off until it's just him. He does tell his grandkids about the last airship he saw, but they don't really get it. James ends up in Yosemite Park for three years and gets some dogs. After a while, him and the dogs do need socialization, so he, he leaves to see what there is. He finds smoke from a fire and a man sitting next to it, but he doesn't believe it at first. It's only when the man speaks to James, he, James sees that it, he's real. He finds out that the man is named Bill and founded the Chauffeur Tribe. Uh, this is one of the aspects of post-apocalyptic I like. When they take something trivial in our world, and uh, it almost becomes honored in this one. He has a wife named Festa who uh, came from wealth, and the reason she survived was because her property was closed off once the plague hit. Bill, who is her chauffeur, left when it became all too real, but when he came back, he just saw her left, and just her only. Bill doesn't treat her well. Maybe rich person grudges, I don't know. The grandkids think it's great because they are barbaric little shits, and that's why. James, the whole time, is lamenting that it could have been him who hooked up with Vesta because they both come from the upper class. Bill talks about the different tribes out there, and eventually he takes Vesta to one of them. Lee, uh, just leaving James to himself. James, I should mention, I should have mentioned this earlier, did store some books in a secret location so that civilization will have something when it makes the, when it makes the slow crawl up. But James also suspects that all of this is a cycle that will repeat itself anyway. So he finishes the story, but instead of feeling sad for how much was lost, the grandkids think it's an amusing story, uh, but kind of a bullshit one. They don't understand how far society fell and the importance of what was lost. And that's the book, which seems very current despite being written in 1912. It was inspired by The Mask of the Red Death by Edgar Allan Poe. It also did anticipate many of the anxieties of the Atomic Age. As uh, for influence, multiple post-apocalyptic stories 
did use many of the elements in this book as a frame of reference uh, for their own stories. There definitely are some Andromeda strain vibes in here. It is in the same genre as Earth Abides and The Stand, but I'm not quite sure how much influence it had on them. It must have had some. I mean, nothing exists inside a vacuum. I'm pretty sure Stephen King read The Scarlet Plague. That guy reads a fuck ton. Uh, it does have a lot in common with previous episodes I've done, and I think that's going to come up a lot as I do these episodes, because there are only so many ways humanity can die. Anyway, that's this week's book, The Scarlet Plague, written by Jack London. Next time on Tales from the Desolate Highway, I talk about the Nightland where the sun burns out. Sounds like somebody, again, reached into the future and pulled out another Danny Boyle film. I'm referring to Sunshine, of course. We'll have to wait to see if there's any similarity. You've been listening to another episode of Tales from the Desolate Highway. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at UnusualAuthor and Instagram at UnconventionalAuthor. As always, thanks for tuning in.